I've told you how I've gotten into the show, but I've never heard the story like how you discovered the show. Yeah, uh, so I actually, and I can remember quite vividly, uh, watching the pilot episode when it aired originally, um, my mom, I think, had spotted the ads in TV Guide for mm-hmm. it, and, and probably I'd seen a couple of like the teasers or something like that. It was something, and I don't know exactly when it started for me, but time travel was something that I was always fascinated with. Mm -hmm. And I can remember those choose your own adventure books Mm -hmm. and there were the time machine ones. And Mm -hmm. my grandfather had bought me a couple of those. Uh, And I think for me, it was almost a way to be connected to him because one of them was like a world war two time travel book. So I would read and choose, you know, what to do. And I would always ask him, like if I was at his house visiting or whatever, I had the book with me and I would ask him, what should I do? And he would kind of help, you know, tell me what to do or whatever. Anyway, so time travel was something I was always interested in since a very early age. And I thought, oh, well, this sounds cool. And I remember sitting in our den, we were living in Independence, Missouri at the time and uh, sitting in our den and watching it by myself. No one else was in the room with me at all. Like I think the rest of my family, my sister might have been in her bedroom and my parents were, you know, in the living room or whatever. And uh, we had a TV in the den, which is where the Nintendo was as well. And so I sat there and, and watched it and was just completely taken, taken away with it. I, I mean, from the get go and come to find out that, uh, Oh, you know what? No, I remember something. Uh, my dad was actually out of town at the time and come to find out that he had watched it as well. And he had been kind of on the road for his job a little bit because at the time he was working for a, um, like an engineering place that, that actually manufactured parts for the military. And so sometimes he would have to go elsewhere. And so they were making like grenade shell casings basically. And, uh, he had to, to go out on the road a couple of times. And so he watched the first episode as I watched it just in a different place. And I think it was something that just, that we shared at first. And so I would watch it and he would watch it. And then somewhere towards the end of the first season, I think that he just stopped watching it, but I kept on watching it. And my mom would always sort of, you know, remind me when it was on. Cause I know it changed dates, you know, days of the week, a few times here and there. Um, and I would say pretty much the entirety of the first three seasons with a couple of gaps I watched as they aired. Um, and then somewhere around, you know, mid third season, late third season, I definitely missed a few here or there. And then the fourth season I can remember pretty specifically, I, I really only saw the opening episode and then I saw like the last four or five episodes. So I missed the bulk of the fourth season when it originally aired. It, it was, yeah, it was emotionally, I was very attached to the show. I, I, I mean, there's no denying that a main character whose name was Sam and my name was Sam certainly, certainly helped. And, uh, there was something, there was just something about it that I loved. And to, to the, to the effect that, you know, much like people in the late sixties watched Star Trek and wanted to, you know, be an astronaut or, or create some sort of piece of tech that, that mirrored what was on Star Trek. Like I wanted to do what Sam had done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was 12 years old and I was reading books about physics and, yep. you know, the yep. possibilities of time travel. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and going to school and talking to people about quantum star chambers and, you know, mm-hmm. like just getting a vacant stare back or whatever. Um, and eventually, uh, when it was airing in syndication on USA, I would tape all the episodes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I had those, I went to a Star Trek convention. I remember with my dad when I was probably 13 or 14, he took me, he really had no interest in going. Um, and I found the soundtrack on CD, the quantum leap soundtrack on CD. Yep. I yep. bought that. 
uh, I listened to that thing like every night practically. Um, yeah, I bought the soundtrack. I ordered it because I had joined some fan club by that point, and I was walking <laughs> around like listening to it like on my headset, like our hometown. Yeah, and this was like when I was old enough. So this was a couple years after the series ended. I was old enough that the the series had ended, I, and I was fifteen or so. But some of my friends had their driver's licenses. And so a friend drove by and he's like, hey, where are you going? Let me give you a ride. Like, even though I was out walking just for the exercise, yeah. I jumped in with him. And he's like, hey, what do you listen to? And I'm like, the Quantum Leap soundtrack. And he just gave me this, this side I look like. <laughs> you dork. Like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and I actually, um, when we, we moved at one point from a suburb of St. Louis to a suburb of Charlotte, North Carolina, and when we moved, somehow I inherited, like, the sound system. Like, it, I, it just got put in my bedroom. So I had this, like, awesome CD player that it was like a multi-disc changer. The thing I remember specifically about it is, is you could program it to play specific tracks on a CD. Mm-hmm. So I programmed it, and... and I'm not making this up. Literally every night for an extended period of time, at least a few months, I would listen to the Sweet from the Leap Home, mm-hmm. Imagine, mm-hmm. Um, the Sweet from Man of La Mancha, mm-hmm. um, Somewhere in the Night. Yeah. I love Somewhere in the Night. And then, of course, mm-hmm. uh, naturally, where we came up with the title, uh, uh, Face, Face Wide Wheel. Wheel. Yeah, which we'll get so to. So those yeah. five tracks mm-hmm. I would listen to like every night. And then... Uh, Eventually, yeah, I ended up having all the episodes on tape, courtesy of USA, uh, and I would, you know, watch those and um, uh, buy the novels, the guidebooks, uh, had a couple issues of the comic book series, um, was always hopeful, and in the early days of the internet, the AOL message boards, those were a big place for, you know, resources of information, so talking with people on those. Then the Sci-Fi Channel had their own... I don't know. This might be going back too far for most people to remember, but AOL back in the day basically had like channels. And so it was like the sci-fi channel had like a a channel on AOL, which was a repository of images and, 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 and message boards, like sub threads and and that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. And so the sci-fi channels message board within AOL, um, had a quantum leap, uh, message board and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So I would follow along on there and there was a lot of information, FAQs, et cetera. And I would download all of that, and, and, and so I had all these text files. I wrote some bad Quantum Leap fan fiction. Oh, I mean, yes, the yeah. whole nine I didn't, yards. I didn't publish it anywhere, but I Oh, yeah, yeah, no. And I, I showed it to a friend one time, actually, uh, and it's funny because I, at that particular moment in time, I decided I was going to just, I was going to write fan fiction. So I had uh, a James Bond fan fiction. I had a um, uh, an X-Men fan fiction. And um, Exo Squad, which was a cartoon like from the early '90s, and then this Quantum Leap fan fiction. And I showed it to a friend of mine, uh, and he didn't really know what to make of it. <laughs> so yeah. naturally, I didn't share it beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would say, yeah, for for the bulk of the '90s, it was a very important part of my life, honestly. And uh, I had a strong emotional attachment to it, and an intellectual attachment to it. Um, you know, somewhere along the way, I got very interested in, in in acting, and I think that that was almost a manifestation—the idea that I could take on these different roles—and um, started to, you know, not necessarily see Quantum Leap as this reality of like I'm going to be Sam Beckett, but almost see it as in like I'm going to be Scott Bakula. You know, not literally, mm-hmm. but that that idea well, of like playing yeah. all those different parts was so fascinating to me. Um, oh, the other thing that I did is I transcribed the Leap Home episode. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, tried to do a sort of a stage version of it um, in my, in my, during my freshman year of high school mm-hmm. with my theater class. I did so, a similar yeah. thing with one scene in the pilot, and we'll talk about yeah. that in the pilot. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I came to the series late, like towards the end of the second season mm-hmm. in, in real time as it was airing. But I had always been fascinated with time travel. Actually, when I was five or six years old, I don't know how I got this idea, but I got the idea that time travel not only was possible, but that it was common. Mm. I thought that's how we knew about ancient civilizations. Okay. I thought people got in their time machine, went back in the past, and not like interacted with the past, but very much like uh, Al in the Imaging Chamber on Quantum Leap. Like they went back and observed history, and then they came back, and that's how we got history books. Yeah. But when Quantum Leap first came on the air, like, I was aware that there was a show on TV called Quantum Leap, but I, it, I didn't make the connection that it was a time travel yeah. series. And then, uh, and I think I've told you this story before, so, like, one night my dad was flipping channels, and in our house we had one TV, and whatever dad wanted to watch, that's what we watched. Yeah. You could sit and watch TV with him, but don't get too attached to a show, because as soon as he got bored and decided to change the channel, we changed the channel. Yeah. Uh, so one night we were watching TV, and we... Uh, come across this TV show where uh, two people, uh, a guy who turns out later is Sam, Mm -hmm. is arguing with an old white woman about how it's not right to call him one N-word because it was too close to the other Mm N-word. And uh, I grew up in a rural small town in southern Illinois. White County, where I like to joke, they like to keep it that way. Mm -hmm. So I was very well aware of the N-word and that people who are white are not usually called that word. Right. So that kind of got my attention, like, what is going on in this scene? And I think that's what got my dad's attention, too, and that's why we didn't flip the channels. And so we're watching this episode, and it's very clear that everybody is treating and thinks this, this white guy is is a black guy. Yeah. And I think that's what I had our attention the entire, like, throughout the rest of the, the episode. And I think my dad, like, flipped away from channel, but we eventually came back to it. And at the end of the episode, like, he sits down at a lunch counter and he looks in the mirror and there's an old black guy looking back at him and then he... Yeah. In a, in a flash of blue light. And I don't think it even got me, like, it didn't hook me that. And I was like, okay, well, that was interesting. And then a few weeks later, caught uh, another... It was a rerun of How the Toast Was Won. Uh-huh. And just catching that very last scene, yeah, um, which I won't give spoilers away. Sure. But catching the very last scene of that episode where he ends up influencing yeah. history in a his, weird his way, kiss with history, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but then the first actual episode I caught all the way through was Pool Hall Blues. Oh, okay. Into the pool player, yeah. And then after that, I was hooked. Yeah. So from then, I started watching the series in real time, and it was one of those things like uh, didn't get to watch it like as it aired like that night, like we would record it on. VCR, and then I would go back and watch it sure. the next day. But then I would go back and catch the reruns, and then in the fall of 1992, the USA Network started doing, started rerunning it from the beginning. Yeah, uh, and it, like it, it was very much yeah, it's been a part of my life. Yeah, ever ever since then. Um, and I know we we talked about this a couple of years ago because uh, I was doing a show that kind of re- revolved around my weird love of time travel. But for yeah. me, like, what connected me with the show, and I didn't, like, really fully articulate this until a few years ago, um, but growing up, I felt 
I was very socially awkward, had a hard time fitting in. But the frustrating thing was, is I always felt like when I was by myself or with my uh, family or my close friends, I felt like I was one version of myself that was more the truer version of myself. Mm-hmm. But when I was at school or church, when I was around uh, other kids, I had a hard time being that person. I was always like uh, trying too hard and I was awkward. Like I was not like... Uh, the smart, funny person that I knew that I was yeah, in private. So it wasn't like this bitter, uh, why don't people understand me? Like, why don't people see me for who I am? Like, it was like this frustration with myself of like, I know I'm this person when I am private and by myself. Why am I not this person when I'm around other people? Yeah. And uh, so a few years ago, I was doing a performance piece about my love of Quantum Leap. And I realized that that is kind of a setup not just for Quantum Leap, but for a lot of time travel shows, is that you take someone who is uh, brilliant and confident in their own realm, and then you throw them into a situation where they don't know the rules, they don't know how to get along, and they have to figure out. They have to figure it out. And eventually, they do, Yeah, but they make a fool of themselves along the way. Sure, sure. And without, like, consciously, like, processing that, I figured out, like... To me, that's what Quantum Leap was, was, like, seeing that story every week. of seeing like, Sam Beckett, brilliant quantum physicist, thrown into a weird situation, makes an ass out of himself, but he eventually figures it out and saves the day. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, and we've talked a little bit about this before, I think, but I, I think you and I had similar, mm. you know, uh, uh, junior high and high school years, if you will, and... and I would agree with that. I mean, one of the things too about the show, and and other, you know, genre shows in particular, science fiction television programs that that I think I was drawn to is that yeah, there was that sense of of people that were either in situations that weren't necessarily normal or or they didn't feel like they were normal uh, that I always identified with. And it was very easy for me to identify with, yeah, Sam's sort of fish out of water aspect in in the episodes. Um, It's definitely why I gravitated towards Star Trek as well. And, and, you know, characters um, like Data and and, and Worf in particular, I was a big Worf fan. The idea that, like, you know, here's this guy that's just completely misunderstood. And and so I I really identified with stuff like that. And I think that the fascinating thing to me is that as, as you get a little bit older, you start to realize that, um, nobody's really understood. It's like that, 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 mm-hmm. that sense of understanding yourself and being okay and comfortable with that, mm-hmm. that, that kind of, yes. you know, that's, that's the key. And so I think that for Sam in particular, um, within the show, it's interesting because each episode almost has that in a way, you know, mm-hmm. he starts off not, you know, feeling like, ah, nobody gets it. I don't get it. Nothing's happening. And then you're right. There are those moments where he finds ways to, you know, to, to get more comfortable or, or comfort the people around him, which in turn can kind of comfort him. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that's interesting too about the pilot, which we'll talk a little bit more about. Um, but yeah, that's, that's absolutely something that, that, that I identified with in the show as well. Uh, and in particular, there are certain episodes where, whether it is like the color of truth, where, you know, 
we've already kind of spoiled it. So you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's mm. he's playing a black man, or he you know he is a black man as seen you know by everyone else. Um, you know, there are episodes later that will you know that touch on all sorts of of other you know social and cultural issues where you see um, the way that Sam's character is treated, or the way that someone that Sam is interacting with is treated, and and kind of trying to correct that social injustice in some way. Um, so I think that yeah, there's 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 that nobility to to the show and to Sam's quest um often that that for a long time I really identified with and I and, and the show in some ways made me want to be a better person mm-hmm. you know because Sam was Sam was usually a really good guy mm-hmm. you know and it's like I want to be like that and and you know I went off the rails somewhere along the way yeah, um, yeah. but but for a, for a large portion of my life I, I was always trying to like do the right thing and be a good person mm-hmm. and, and 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 the show influenced that another thing that the show definitely influenced too is my sense of history like I Absolutely. learned a lot through the show mm-hmm. I really did mm-hmm. and even today there are little bits and pieces of the show like I, I was uh, gas shortages like yeah, I became aware of gas shortages in the seventies because mm-hmm. of quantum leaves. Yes, <laughs> uh, thou shalt not. I think that, yeah, that was the episode where they yeah. they address that just as a side. But yeah, a lot of historical elements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Vietnam, you know, Vietnam plays such a huge part in the show mm-hmm. um, that that I think that it was also something that I felt uh, a better awareness of. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting to to, to note that you know because one of the things I think we'll want to do with this podcast is talk about context and it's interesting to think that the show was airing you know at a similar time as a show like china beach which was you know Mm -hmm. obviously focusing and no spoilers for china beach but the interesting thing about that show is its final season took place in the present and so it had to do with all these characters looking back on it Mm -hmm. which is kind of a a vantage point that the characters in quantum leap you know sam and al in particular obviously Mm -hmm. had as well when talking about it Mm -hmm. and i think that that's it's it's interesting um to, to, to think of in that context. And also to think that you mentioned this earlier, if we look back now, 15, 16 years, we're, you know, we could be talking about the war in Iraq, the same Mm -hmm. way that they were talking about Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. So to take a a step back, we were talking about this before. How, how would you describe quantum leap to someone (laughs) who's never seen it? Like someone who's just listening to this podcast because they're, they're friends with one of us. Yeah. And, and they're, they're just, being nice and listening to our right, to our Give, giving us a chance. I think I, I would start by saying that it is a show um, about time travel, about a man who travels through time, um, and because uh, you know God, time, fate, or whatever has has messed with things in a way, he has to complete a task, set things right that once went wrong, in order to move on. And the hope is is that eventually that'll move him one step closer to getting home uh, because he never knows where he's going to end up uh, or when he's going to end up for that matter. Uh, And I think, I think that that's probably how I would start, Mm -hmm. you know, and his only connection is um, his, his friend, his coworker is, you know, his partner in crime, uh, Al, who can appear to him, as a hologram in the future. I'm basically, honestly, I'm basically just kind of, uh, paraphrasing, uh, paraphrasing the song itself. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. I felt like for a long time that I felt like this, uh, it's a science fiction show for people who don't like science fiction. And that's the way it was described in one of the, the trivia books that we have here. I don't feel like I have to explain it that way anymore. Cause there was a time where just saying sci-fi put a bad taste right. in someone's mouth. I don't think that's the case anymore. Shows like mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica, shows like, 
lost. Yeah. Which was a lot of fantastic, uh, fantastical elements, but there was a science fiction element to it. I don't think there is that stigma to to science fiction. No. Anymore. Um, what I think is interesting about the show where it came from, and we're talking about the the information out of the trivia books earlier, is that it started out with the creator of the series, Donald Belisario, wanting to do an anthology series, but anthology series uh, are something that networks typically don't like because you don't have characters come back to every week. Yeah. So Quantum Leap was a way to do an anthology series, but bring back two characters. Yeah. Every week is kind of like the connective thread to bring viewers back. Every right. Week. Um, and a really interesting tidbit I found, I don't know if it's in this book or if it's in another book, uh, but the first scene that he wrote, like years before Quantum Leap actually got developed in anything, is he wrote this scene, uh, it was an aerial shot coming down on a naked man lying in the desert, uh, a white man, a Caucasian man, and this opening shot, it, it's timeless. It could be present day, it could be a thousand years ago. There's mm-hmm. nothing to tell you what time it is. And the voiceover tells you that this man has no memory of who he is. But then a car pulls up. And it's very clearly a car from the 1950s or the 1940s. And two cops get out. And as they're walking up, they pick him up and they kind of rough him up a little bit. And as they're dragging him to the car, they make clear reference to the fact that he is a Native American. Mm. And this guy doesn't know who he is, but he knows he's not Native American. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's something on the license plate that clearly says it's the year 1955. Or it very clearly calls out the year. Yeah. What it is. So he gets thrown in the back of this car. He's being taken somewhere. And he doesn't know who he is, but he definitely knows who he's not. Yeah. And that was years before the show came on the air. But, like, he knew, like, that was the birth of Sam. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to me, too, because one of the the things I love about the show and, and... the anthology aspect and even what you just mentioned is that you get to explore so many different things and, and not just, not just the social issues, but even, uh, within the genre itself, like there are episodes that are, that are certainly more comedic than others. There are episodes that are, you know, heavier on the drama than others. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's especially the first season, they dive really hard into genre yeah. episodes, which, uh, I kind of hate that they, they got away from as the series went on. Yeah. It, yeah, the first season, yeah, the funny thing about the first season is that there are a couple of episodes that I would absolutely put up there with the best episodes of the whole series, beyond a shadow of a doubt. But then there are a couple of episodes that I think that they're not bad, but they're also, the only thing that makes them remarkable is the fact that they're kind of a takeoff on something else. Like, oh, he's a mobster now. Oh, he's a gumshoe like Humphrey Bogart, you know, and and there's nothing wrong with that at all. And I think that there are some fun scenes in both of those episodes, mm-hmm. but ultimately, it, they they don't mean quite as much to me as like the Kamikaze Kid or Star Crossed. And I think that you know, and obviously the Color of Truth, but I think that kind of as they go on, getting away from sort of just like this is the mobster episode mm-hmm. as opposed to this is an episode where he happens to be in the Navy or this is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that all of the sudden the, the, the those situations just happen to become uh, the set dressing, if you will, and the issues that are explored and sometimes the, the bounds of the, you know, the script itself are, are explored just happen to be in that context as opposed to it being 
you know, oh, that's the, you know, like, like you look at Star Trek, it's like, oh, that's the gangster episode. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, you know, and so I think that that's the, that's the interesting thing as the show goes on is it's able to use some of those tropes and it not be about the trope. Whereas I think those early episodes, it was almost about the trope. Exactly. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. So do we want to say why we call decided to call the show Fate's White Wheel? Yeah. <laughs> because I said so. No. Um. <laughs> no, we were uh, we were up in the air between uh, Fate's White Wheel and Oh Boy. And I think anybody oh who just has a casual uh, knowledge of Quantum Leap will get where the Oh Boy reference comes from, yeah. obviously. Uh, but Fate's White Wheel is a song from a third season episode where he leaps into the lead singer of a Kiss-like yeah. rock band, King of Thunder. Yeah. Uh, and, and the song, it, it, it never won a Grammy. It'll not go down in the <laughs> history as a no. great, as a great song. Um, but we obviously, we both have like a, a connection with the song and a fondness for it. Yeah. So, uh, well, and we just decided if we're, if we're going to do a, a podcast for our own entertainment, basically, we're not going to be setting the internet on fire with this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe. We'll see. You know, and one of the things that I love about the song, um, it, it's twofold. Obviously, the lyrics themselves are, are very descriptive of the television show mm-hmm. um, without being so overtly like, oh, I'm banging you over the head with this. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. there are some references that are, I'm a traveler through space and time. Like, it's yes. like, okay, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. But, but, but there's, there's more to it than that. And on the same token, the vocals, that's the thing about Scott Bakula that is fascinating. And it's great that they ended up using it. Scott Bakula really prior to getting this show was mostly a musical theater actor. Mm-hmm. He'd done a lot of musical theater. And, uh, I think that, I'm not a huge musical theater fan, to be mm-hmm. completely honest. I find that a lot of productions that I see, unfortunately, you know, focus a little bit too much on the um, the performance. I'm performing, you know, ha-ha sort of thing, as opposed to I'm telling a story. And the thing that, about Scott Bakula is that you can absolutely tell just from the vocal performances he gives within the context of the TV show is mm-hmm. he would have always told a story. Like, I would have loved to see him in a musical because I know that he would be an actor that would tell me a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and his vocal performance in Fate's Wide Wheel is so passionate. And, and and he's telling you this story that even, you know, whether it's in the episode or the recording that's on the CD, there's, you know, there's just something about it that's really pretty special to me, in my opinion. And and, and that goes for all of his vocal performances, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got a beautiful voice, you know. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, mm-hmm. why not? If you can use it, you should use it. Um, and so... Yeah, that song in particular, I think, kind of sums up what the show is about, and and that's something I didn't remark about earlier, the passion with which the show tackles some of these subjects, and with, mm-hmm. you know, that, that the actors throw themselves into certain situations and things, um, you know, even even some of the supporting actors, which I, I can't wait to talk about some of those performances down the road, because mm-hmm. there are some really, really wonderful supporting performances in the show. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing that I think people don't necessarily recognize today about the show. This was a show that... As it started out, critics were kind of like, eh, I don't know what to make of this. Some people call it terrible, even. Mm-hmm. But as the show went on, it became critically acclaimed. It got Emmy nominations. It got Golden Globe won, yeah. nominations. Mm-hmm. It won Emmys. It won a lot it of won like, Golden Globes. A lot you know? of awards. Yeah. yeah, and 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 you know, not just for technical stuff, but but for writing, for direction, for acting. Scott mm-hmm. Bakula won, you know, uh, a Golden Globe award for his performance in the show. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he was nominated for an Emmy like three or four times. Mm-hmm. So I think that 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 that's one of the things that. Um, about the show that also sets it apart. You know, you don't get that, unfortunately, for a lot of other genre shows. And it's, like you said earlier, it's a sci-fi show that's not really a sci-fi show. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, that's why Fate's Wide Wheel. 
Mm-hmm. Should we tell people who we are? I think we should. We probably should. <laughs> if you're if you're someone who just stumbled upon this, <laughs> uh, so my name is uh, Dennis. Uh, we're both based here in Chicago. Uh, I'm an actor. I'm also a massage therapist. I'm a real estate agent. Husband, new dad, as of Woo-hoo. seven months ago, uh, and Sam is. All right. First of all, I have to say his son has probably one of the coolest names ever. Like it just, I, I'm not. Mm. He doesn't have to share it with you because you know privacy and all. But just know that his son has one of the coolest names on the mm. face of the planet. I'll just it's it's Harrison Cash. Yeah, yeah. And Harrison we'll, Cash. at some point we'll get to come like on. What, how we how we chose <laughs> to name him that. Um, uh, yes, so I am uh, newly uh, newly wed, newly married. Uh, my wife and I live here in Chicago. Have lived here for a little over four years, um, and uh, I work at a performing arts company here in the city. Um, and uh, I'm also an actor. Um, although as of late, I've I've, I've not done done much uh, because I was busy planning a wedding and starting a new job and and all that sort of thing. Um, uh, two cats. Uh, I, I love, um, well, I love quantum leap obviously, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, um, really excited to be doing this. It's something that I think mm-hmm. I've been looking for something to focus some of my creative energies on for a while. And, uh, I think that this is a great outlet for that to be able to talk about something that, that we love. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I tend to be fairly passionate and anything but succinct as I'm sure you can already tell. Um, but I hope that, that not only, uh, will you join us on this journey, but we're also looking forward to feedback. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll give you all of the avenues to do that. Obviously like Facebook, Twitter, webpage, mm-hmm. iTunes reviews, etc. Um, and, and connecting with other people because one of the things that we really want to do with the show, mm-hmm. uh, which is totally Dennis's idea. And I love it, uh, is have, have guests on the show and particular guests that have never seen quantum leap before or have a very limited exposure to it. Um, and to get that fresh take, because obviously this is something that we've lived with for, you know, over 20 years. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and seen episodes multiple times. Mm. Uh, so I think that it'll be really interesting to get some fresh takes and also hear from other people who are really, you know, big fans of the show as well. Yeah. Um, and as I say, yeah, we, we both talked like we had both been interested in diving into the podcasting world, but not really like finding what the avenue was yet. Yeah. Cause I was thinking about something to do with like massage or wellness or, or, or something along uh, that line. Uh, side note, by the way, I realized in looking stuff up on Quantum Leap in the last couple weeks that if it wasn't for the TV show Quantum Leap, I think the phrase would mostly be known for uh, like wellness and, and different uh, self-help stuff like that. Yeah. There are a lot of Quantum Leap podcasts out there that revolve around things like that. Fascinating. Uh, so as of now, I think we're, we're the, the third of three quantum leap podcasts out there. There's the quantum leap podcast that started a few years ago. Mm-hmm. There's another great one, uh, that I stumbled upon a couple of months ago called Becca to the future. They have great an interesting title. take. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's two, uh, women, which is mm-hmm. one. I think it's really interesting because most quantum leap fans I know are, Sure. Right. Right. To be honest, and they're doing an interesting take. Instead of doing uh, by air date, like we're going to be doing, they do it from chronological leap date. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, and they are people who are coming back to the show. Like I, I get the idea that they haven't watched the show in years, and now they're coming back and rewatching episodes. Yeah. So doing it all out of order like that from air date, it, it, yeah. it, it provides for some. Interesting commentary. Oh, gosh. Uh, I can only so, imagine. Yeah, so they're a great one to tune into. And the book that we keep referencing, 
he is not a sponsor of the show. He doesn't know us from Adam. Um, but this is a book I bought a few months ago, and I bought Sam a copy as a wedding gift. It's called <laughs> yeah. uh, Beyond the Mirror Image, The Observer's Guide to Quantum Leap by Matt Dale. It is an exhaustive book. It is over yeah. 800 pages, 8-point font. It's only available on Lulu. Is that the name of the website? I'll, I'll go back up and look it up. Yeah. We'll, we'll add that back in uh, later, but it's a, it's a self-published book that... Uh, yeah, I, I don't think most publishers would want to touch just because it, it is quite expansive. But it is yeah. it is such a great book, and we've been using it as a lot as a reference and getting prepared for the show. And it, you know, and, and the coolest thing about it uh, for me, anyway, is that not only does it cover the television show, but it also covers uh, you know the comic books, the the novels, the you know the the what ifs. What if there was a season six? What if there was a uh, um, the reboot, the series, reboot that they series, were talking about yeah. for the Sci-Fi Channel in the early 2000s. Lots of great technical information, as well as you know, information obviously you know episode by episode with background information and goofs because nobody's perfect. Um, and uh, I have to mention, yeah, on a personal note, Dennis got this for me for uh, my wedding as a wedding gift, and he told me, gave me the disclaimer not to open it until after the honeymoon. Uh, because he was afraid that if I did so, I would not do anything on the honeymoon but read the book. Uh, I'm not going to go so far as to say that that's entirely true, but there's a very good chance that that would have happened. So I took his advice. I did not open it until we got back from the honeymoon. And, uh, yeah, it kind of floored me because it's a pretty amazing, amazing mm-hmm. piece. And, yeah. uh, and I was unaware of it. Because one of the things that I will fully admit... For me, I have come back to the show a couple of times. Uh, you know, when it was on Netflix, I, I certainly watched a few episodes here and there just for the heck of it. But I have not really done like a deep dive on mm. the show in probably thirteen years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, same. It's gonna be interesting. There are some episodes that I go back. And I watch every couple of years, like yeah. like the really iconic episodes, like MIA, The Leap Home. Yes, those. Yeah. but there are some like. Uh, Starcrossed, mm-hmm. uh, which is the second episode we're going to talk about later on, that I haven't come back to, and then like going back and rewatching the episode, I'm like, mm, there, yeah. there, there are some, there are some issues with this yeah. episode, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we sure will. Uh, jumping back because you mentioned Goose, uh, we should probably explain like what our rules are for this podcast. Yes. Uh, so we're going to be doing the episodes by air date. Yep. We're going to try to keep the shows relatively spoiler-free. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a very episodic show, so there's n- there's not a whole lot to spoil, but there are personal details about the characters yeah. that are given throughout the series. We're going to try to refrain from that. Right. And, like, and certain leaps in particular, like, we don't want to talk about until we get there. Exactly. You know, yeah. Uh, but you think, like, what made me, what you mentioned in Goofs made me think of it is, uh, I don't want to really go hardcore into, like, all of the goofs of the episodes. Yeah. Uh, because, one, I mean, it, it's a show made for TV. It's a high-concept TV show. Sometimes Sam's reflection is going to come off something. Right, right. Uh, sometimes Dean Stockwell's sleeve is going to brush up against something. He's a hologram, but he's going to cast a shadow. Uh, I don't want to get pedantic in talking about uh, those those things throughout throughout the show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I should, you know what, and one thing that I wanted to add real quick to earlier on to the whole, uh, um, 
and this is, you know, hey, all of our memories get a little Swiss cheese from mm-hmm. now and again. Uh, but earlier on when I was mentioning my relationship with the show and having watched the show, most of what I said was true, uh, except for the season four, season five thing, because for some reason in my brain I was only thinking about four seasons instead of five seasons, um, is that I did actually see most of season four. It's five that I missed. Yeah, yeah. And five is going to be interesting when we get there, yeah. because... Kind of counteracting what I said, but like the point for five, season five turns into a gimmick police yeah. a, a little bit, yeah. and nothing screams, uh, "Please watch us so we don't get canceled." We're a really great show. Yeah. Nothing screams that louder than the revised theme song for season five. Oh gosh! Uh, which, when I was a kid, I loved it. Yeah. But then get away from like, oh yeah, this just screams. <laughs> this just screams desperation in the last season. Uh, There's a lot about the last season that screams desperation. Yeah. Oh but, yeah. Uh, well, because like we were talking about earlier with season one, having some of those like episodes that are it, it's about the trope. Mm-hmm. It's like there were episodes that were about the gimmick, and mm-hmm. there there are like. I, I I feel like a couple of the episodes they they kind of get away with, but then there's there's. There's two in particular that I'm thinking of right now that involve famous people, and they're pretty terrible. And I yeah. wish they weren't. And it has nothing to do with like Sam or Al mm-hmm. or even the script in some instances. Mm-hmm. It's like if he was anyone else other than the person that he happens to have leapt into, I might buy the story and be okay with it. But because he's either dealing with someone famous or is someone famous, or, it just starts mm-hmm. to go to hell, and it gets really, it gets really hard to. You know, to, to to check that off as like this is a must watch Quantum Leap episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned we'll the, get there eventually. We'll, we'll get there like <laughs> 2018, 2019. Yeah, right. I don't oh. know. So actually, that brings up a good point too. Uh, we're certainly going to be a weekly podcast mm-hmm. um, and and drop you know at least one episode a week. In some instances, maybe we'll throw a bonus episode in there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, going through episodes by um, air date order. Um, we will probably have like a nice, you know, season overview episode at the end of each season when we get there. Um, and we'll probably throw in a couple of special episodes here and there as dictated, especially if we can get, you know, some, some guests here or there to just talk about, you know, like I said, we want to have a guest to talk about episodes from time to time, but maybe we'll have guests on to talk about just the Mm -hmm. show in general. Um, uh, but we're definitely going to keep things quantum leap based. We don't want to stray too far from that. Um,